Hello, I'm Brett Marshall. And I'm Zeke Boyat. And I'm Justin Bakke. And this is Sound the Foghorn. Hello and welcome to Sound the Foghorn Podcast, episode 12. I'm in about as good as a mood as I've ever been because of this week. Uh, joined today by my co-host, Zeke Boyat, and we're also welcoming in special guest, Derek Felska. Of course, our other co-host, Justin Bakke, not with us today because him and his wife, Katie, uh, welcomed in new baby boy, Ryland, uh, to the world on Wednesday night. Uh, Everything we've heard is that mom and baby are doing well. He's already decked out in wild gear. Probably a future number one draft pick. Um, But we're excited for him. Excited to have Derek on the show. Uh, Zeke, before we have Derek introduce himself, how are you doing this evening, man? Uh, Doing really good. Uh, Like we talked before the show, it's just been good last couple days related to wild and hockey stuff. And, uh, you know, doing a lot of writing, covering the draft. So, yeah, no, just excited to talk about it all. Derek, welcome to the show. Thanks for jumping on with us today. I know you are you get just about just as excited about prospects as we do, so we're excited to talk about that with you. Uh, if you could just introduce yourself, kind of how you got your start in hockey, how, what made you become a fan, what got you into? I know you write about the Wild. Tell us where we can find you, and then also, um, you know, tell us about um, <clears throat> uh, just just about yourself a little bit. Sure. Um, yeah, my I'm Derek Felska. I'm at uh... My blog is at the Sports Daily Crease and Assist, a legally compliant Minnesota hockey blog. Uh, I've been blogging for about 16 years, which is, I don't know, it amazes me just to look back and think that it's been that long. Uh, Zeke's barely that old. Yeah. (laughs) He was like two when I started. (laughs) Um, Anyways, uh, no, I've been a hockey fan pretty much my entire life. Uh, I was never that great of a skater, though, so mostly watched from a distance, but, uh, had a lot of fun with it. Um, been a wild fan literally from the moment that they announced that there was a, a team coming back to Minnesota was a North stars fan before that. So it's always been a part of my life and I can, I can literally, you know, I think one of the cool things I guess is myself and growing up and being excited about the wild from the start was that I can literally say I've been there from the beginning. You know, I feel like I've, I've watched the, the, you know, kind of like with, with Justin in a way watched, you know, the, the thing go from being an infant to like, you know, troubled toddler to, you know, whiny kid to squeaky voice teenager to now being like a college age person and kind of where it's going. So it's been a lot of fun and, uh, it's been a wild ride. I've, I've had a lot of cool things happen to me over that time and my, and my wife and I write together. That's a big part of it. My I went my I met my wife because of the Minnesota Wild, so it's really been a huge part of my life to say the least. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing again. Really happy to have you on the show. We got lots to break down today, so we're not going to waste too much more time. We're going to jump into it. Let's start at the beginning of last week, which already or of this week, which already feels like forever ago. Uh, Bill Guerin continued to turn this roster over. He moved out Ryan Donato and Devin Dubnik got back i believe was i don't even remember what they got for picks anymore i believe a third yeah. round in yep. 21 and a fifth round in 22 yep. uh, mm-hmm. if i recall it's so yeah. long ago now uh 
<clears throat> Zeke, I'll kick it over to you here first. What do you make? Let's start with Dubnik um, as one week, because that's one I think we for sure kind of saw coming, and that was kind of written on the wall, especially after they announced they weren't going to buy him out. Uh, how do you, Let's start with first with how do you feel about trading Dubnik, and then uh, how do you feel about the return? Well, I mean, I, I don't really have too many problems with trading him because, I mean, you know, obviously this last year, last couple of years kind of too, he's just, you know, started to kind of go on the decline a little bit as he's gotten older. And, well, yes, there are some personal family issues uh, that, you know, obviously would have a massive impact on your mindset. And there, I just, he just obviously hasn't been the same kind of goal he was from that 2015 to kind of 2018 area. So not too much, many problems with him there. I mean, I guess I'm still kind of surprised that anyone would wanted to trade for him in the first place. Like I know his salary, he only gets paid like two and a half million or something. So it's not, especially in the current environment today, I know that probably makes a little more attractive, but I, the return's fine. I mean, you know, with how he was the last couple of years, you weren't going to get much back. I think it's just, from that standpoint, I think it's just good to just, to create that roster spot uh, for your whoever else you're going to put in there. And also, I mean, I guess you save a little bit of money on the buyout and you get an asset back. So, yeah. Derek, do you echo that thoughts or do you have anything different? Uh, I would say my, my thoughts are pretty similar to that. I mean, I, I think the, I think part of like with Dubnik though, is I think at the very end, if you listen to like what Bill Guerin had to say in his final quote, where he said he met with Devin Dubnik and they had a talk about things and then they, it pretty much sounded like there was maybe like a philosophical disagreement over how he was going to be used maybe. And so he's like, fine, then we'll, we'll move you then. If you know, if that's, mm-hmm. if that's how you feel about it. And uh, I don't, I personally don't really have, you know, any really strong want to keep him around. I, I think, I think the future is going forward in a different direction. And I think it's pretty clear that that's what Garen was thinking pretty much as soon as uh, our season had ended, he that was what he wanted to do. So it's really no big surprise. Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly with you guys there, Zeke. I think I think the big thing you hit on is I know earlier on this show as well as several as several others kind of in the wild fandom thought a Dubnik buyout seemed imminent. And I think you look at the I think that's what we almost had to look at the situation is the reality was is Dubnik was a buyout candidate, and in trading him, they not only I think saved I want to say. They base by retaining half the salary this year. They basically save what they would have spent next year, which I think is eight hundred thirty-three thousand um, against the cap, as and picked up a fifth-round pick in the process. So mm-hmm. I think when you look at it that way, you didn't have to buy him out. You got him off the books. You saved over eight hundred thousand in cap next year, and you got a pick out of the deal. To me, that makes it like a, a complete win. Um, and again, why mm-hmm. San Jose wanted yeah. him is still beyond me. Martin Jones is like terrible. So like yeah. he's an upgrade over Martin Jones, but that says literally nothing. Mm-hmm. Especially I mean, and we'll and we'll talk about this toward the end of the show. The goalie market this year is just it's so rich. There are so many options. And I think the fact that Bill Guerin was able to find a buyer for Devin Dubnik is a complete win for the wild. Yeah, and I mean like I mean, like you said, and we kind of already talked about it. I was just very surprised anybody wanted him and uh, I guess with that tandem of Martin Jones and uh, Devin Dubnik, it, you know, maybe it makes the term Shark Tank a little more realistic. Yeah. <laughs> well, the one thing, the one thing, the one thing I would add to that though is I think maybe to a certain degree, you know, you you take a person like a Dubnik and you think that maybe it's just a matter of change of scenery, and whether mm-hmm. you know maybe you know like I heard I mean I heard you guys talk about 
Devin Dubnik's home life. And, and while that was never, at least I never saw it officially reported anywhere, I'm not saying that you're wrong or anything. If that's true, maybe that was part of the issue of staying in Minnesota too. Maybe that's what made the unhappy home. And so if you could get him away from that, maybe someone's thinking he can be free of that. He can start fresh and maybe who knows We'll, we'll take it. And plus, let's face it, the Wild pretty much paid to get rid of him. It was almost like our mm-hmm. version of the Nick Bugstead's trade. I mean, yeah, that's kind of yeah. how I felt. And in a way, too, for the Sharks, like he's on an expiring deal, too. So it's a lot of like a lot of these players the Wild have acquired. You give him one year. If it doesn't work out, whoop do doo I mean, you're not locked into him long term by any means. And he didn't give up a ton to get him. So. In the grand scheme of things, it's, again, Bill Guerin talks about wanting fair trades. I think that's a fair trade when you look at the needs on both sides. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Let's move on to Ryan Donato. This one, people have been a little more torn on. Um, I've, I've seen some people saying that the Wild have pretty much completely gave up on Donato and sold way too low. I've seen others that think they got just about the right value. I haven't seen anyone really say the Wild have won the trade per se. Where, Derek, we'll start with you on this one. Where do you, th- where do you stand on, on the Donato return um, and, and do you think it was the right move to give him up? And would you have maybe hoped for a little more? Or do you think it was about right? Well, I kind of already said this on the soda pod, which by the way, I thought you did a great job on that draft show. Um, Thank you. But anyways, um, I really think they got about as good as you can ask for. Uh, the, the big thing with Ryan Donato, while you know the offensive production per minutes obviously is intriguing, the, the other reality for Ryan Donato is there's a lack of versatility. And when you're a player that's primarily an offensive scorer, but you don't have a lot of other uses on the team, that really limits, you know, where you can be in the lineup. You know, you're pretty much almost a top six kind of player or bust. And I think it's, I think it makes it more challenging to entice someone to want to take him. And while I, I personally thought a third round pick was better than what I was expecting, I thought we were going to have to give him away for maybe even a third or a fourth or a fourth or a fifth round pick. But, you know, I think for him, it's good that he gets another opportunity, hopefully with somebody else. But still, if, he, if they're not going to use him in a top six role, I kind of see the same thing happening all over again, because that's kind of what he's kind of lost out in a numbers game in both Boston and now Minnesota. In a weird way, it's almost like Nino Niederreiter all over again. It's a guy that, you know, at times flash and give you a really good top six forward. And then, but when you moved him down the lineup, it just didn't seem like he was effective at all because there wasn't much, like you said, there wasn't much else to his game. And with the log Jim the Wild have, at, at, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a log at the top six wing, but there wasn't a clear path to him, especially when you're paying a guy like Zuccarello. Hmm. Greenway has the draft capital and the, the show, as you probably know, is an anti-Greenway podcast, but uh, not to deviate too far off that. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I think the fact that they were able to get something for him and I like they got a third round pick because they the last two years and now adding this year, they've done exceptionally well with the players they've drafted in the third round. And I think at a minimum, you'll probably find a guy that's about equivalent of him or better. Zeke, do you have anything to add? Uh, not too much. I mean, I just, you know, I know people are frustrated because like you guys said, the 14 goals all at even strength with that limited ice time is somewhat impressive, but, uh, like Derek was talking, he's not, doesn't do much else other than that. And when you look, he's, he's not very big either. And I, and I don't like to judge guys just on size, but he always just, whenever he has to get into kind of a physical battle, it seems like at times he just kind of gets tossed around and, 
you know, I mean, it's like you said, it's like I said, it's great that you can score and you have a good shot, but you know, he's with his skill set, like we just talked about, he's not going to play. He's got to play in a top six role, and that evidently was going wasn't going to happen here, and it, it wasn't the case under two different coaches. So, uh, you know, I I think part of that too was just you know saying, hey, we'll give you a new opportunity too somewhere else. Yeah, and I, I think he he deserved that. I, I, mm-hmm. Like he's not a guy that should be sitting in a press box, and I, yeah. I think San Jose is a good landing spot for him. And I I do mm-hmm. hope he does well. I hope that Ryan Donato goes out and scores twenty goals next year. And that he he proves that he's a good NHL player because I think he mm-hmm. is. It's just the yeah. fit in Minnesota wasn't right, and sometimes that's just the way it goes. And um, just as much as I hope that he mm-hmm. he does well, I hope the pick that the Wild grab next year in the third round it ends up being a, a worthwhile play as well. Well, I would. And that was, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Derek. I was no, just go gonna ahead. I was just gonna actually say Zeke made a great point about his his lack of strength on his skates because mm-hmm. to me that's another thing in terms of if you're if you're a team that maybe looks at him and says well. Maybe with the right kind of, uh, you know, coaching or approach, maybe we can turn him into a person that can maybe be serviceable in not necessarily a, a top six role. But with him being, you know, like you said, is so easy to kind of brush off the puck. That doesn't say he's got the potential to be a third liner or fourth liner and be workable. It, it really kind of, like you said, it even even more kind of narrows that mindset that he's got to be either in the top six or a power play specialist, maybe at best. Yeah, agreed. All right, so Ryan Donato, wish you all the best. It was fun to watch him when the game was on. was a nice piece on the fourth line uh, with Miko Klave and Ryan Hartman this year. Uh, there was a stretch there toward the end of before the pause that that was a very good line. So hoping for the success uh, for Ryan Donato in San Jose. Let's move right along. Uh, Bill Guerin wasn't done wheeling and dealing. I think this one surprised more of us, especially more of the player involved. Uh, on day two of the draft, uh, Bill Guerin sent Ryan Donato, and I believe it was the 101st pick uh, to the National mm-hmm. Predators in exchange for Nick Bonino and the 37th overall pick who turned into Murat Kuznadinov, and we'll talk a little bit about him in a bit. But uh, initial reactions to this trade, kind of when it happened, before knowing that Murat was the guy you were getting. Uh, Zeke, let's throw it to you here first. Uh, well, I was just a little bit surprised, I guess, that uh, they were kind of giving up on Cunning there. I mean, he was uh, in reports by guys like Elliot Friedman and even in Russo's kind of articles that he was getting a lot of calls on Cunning. And so I, but it just, from what I could tell, it didn't seem like he was the guy they want to move. I mean, while his under, underlying numbers and analytics weren't great, he still did score 15 goals last year. So I was a little bit surprised from that point. And, you know, especially when you look at all your, the first reaction is you're trading a 22-year-old for a 32-year-old, but I think more of that trade is Conan is more getting traded for the picks there. I mean, you got, like Brett said, you got the 37th pick there, which is, you know, kind of almost the value of a late first, and then you also got your 70th pick back from Nashville, which you use then to trade up to 65. So, you know, at first I was a little bit, I guess, apprehensive about giving up on a younger player again like that, but, you know, with the draft picks they got back, I think, you know, they're banking on the players they'll get with those picks, or at least one of them, will be uh, as good or better than Conan in the future. Derek, what do you make of it? Uh, <laughs> well, actually, you you're the one that actually corrected me on Twitter because uh, I was initially think it was kind of a, a strange thing to do. Although when I learned that Benino was literally just had one year in his deal, then I guess I could kind of see maybe what the idea behind it was. As far as uh, kind of I guess jettisoning jettisoning uh, Luke Conan. Uh, Cunning to me is kind of like a classic Minnesota Wild teaser where 
-hmm. there's there's moments of flashes of brilliance like you know you saw that out of charlie coyle you see it out of we already mentioned greenway i know you're not fans of that but i mean that it's the classic thing where they show you that there's potential but it doesn't happen often enough for it to really blossom into what people had hoped when they were drafted and Mm -hmm. i think maybe because they kind of felt he was somewhere between a a second and a third liner maybe they felt like they could draft somebody that had a higher upside than that and they were they were okay with that thinking that maybe the future prime areas of the team will be better in a couple of years as opposed to you know as 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 Cunning himself enters his prime maybe they felt that that wasn't going to happen at that point but i don't know i i guess in retrospect i feel like i'm okay with it but yeah if he goes into nashville and tears it up you know well, we could look like, you know, the whole Nick Letty, not quite the Nick Letty trade. That was really, really bad, <laughs> but we could maybe relive some of that pain again, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. I think the the last point you made there is, is almost the most important that the fact that, um, and I, I had a conversation with someone on this on Twitter. Uh, it may have been Tony Abbott. I can't remember for sure, but um, the, the point of clearing space for the incoming youth. I mean, how frustrating has it been, especially as a wild fan in the past, where we've seen, I mean, even Ryan Donato is kind of a good example of we have these talented young players who are probably ready to jump into a top six role, but we have kind of these meddling, you know, in in between, you know, second, third, fourth line guys that are under these contracts, and because they're you're paying them, you have to play them, and it blocks these young guys. I mean, Sam Annis was probably a guy who would have gotten a shot at some point, yeah. but was stuck behind these guys on contract. So I, when it, when that was pointed out to me, think about it that way. I like the trade even more in the sense that I mean, you, you look at now what's in the system. Obviously, Kaprizov playing this year. Matt Boley probably coming soon. Um, Adam Beckman hopefully will get a shot. Vladislav Firstov. They now have pa- Pavel Novak. They have kind of some other guys that probably could be on the center of the wing. In you know Sam Henkis, Jack McBain, Nikita Nesterenko, Ivan Lodnia. I mean, you have guys that can probably eventually slot into that third role, and you want to make and those are going to be guys you can probably have on ELCs too, and a little bit cheaper cost than what Cunningham would have costed you. Um, Cunningham probably would have gotten a bridge deal. We'll see what uh, what Nashville gives him, but. Um, I think from that standpoint to to clear the room for your future, get to get a second and third rounder, and then get Nick Benino, who actually last year was a very good third line center. Uh, I forget who else is on the line, but that that line with Craig Smith, one other, was mm-hmm. one of I think the best third lines in the NHL. And they've let Smith walk and now have traded Benino. So Nashville, I think you can probably assume they're they're looking maybe at someone like a Taylor Hall um, to target for agency oh, yeah. this year. Um, it seems like they're trying to clear cap, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think. I think Benino is going to be a a really serviceable third line center. And the other thing I like about it is I like Eriksson Ek, and this seems like it's going to push him up into the top six. And barring any further changes up there, we might get a good look at uh, Eriksson Ek mm-hmm. in a more offensive role, which is exciting to me. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, oh, you go ahead, Derek. Sorry. I was going to say it's it's really interesting. Uh, kind of maybe parroting. I don't know if this is one of your next topics, but going into next season, the Wild will have eight forwards that are either unrestricted or restricted free agents next season so if you're looking at something for garen to really reshape the team in the vision that he wants the opportunity is going to be wide wide open next year and depending on who you know like Mm -hmm. like he even said in his quote about you know it's a nice place to live um it's a great place to play and you'll show me whether you want to be here or not and if you're not, then we'll find Love something else, quote. you know, yeah. which, which quote. was fantastic. And, and I think all of us, I think a lot of us wild fans 
like myself who had been talking about wanting to tear things apart for years had you know been finally waiting to hear that kind of epiphany or that kind of aha statement and uh yeah they've definitely tore things up here since 2018 mm -hmm. oh yeah i've kind of had an ongoing thread of this i believe there are now just nine players left from the starting roster at the start of the 1819 season and there's probably two or three more to go off off that lineup yet too mm -hmm. but either way it's a huge chance to reshape what this team is and their playing identity or whatever so we're going to get a chance to see almost like a brand new team which i think a lot of us mm -hmm. had seen enough <laughs> yeah 100%. and i don't know i think uh, the other thing about these guys like Benino and Johansson that they acquired with one year left in their deals I mean that's another those are another couple of players that you know if next year you're probably not you know you're not maybe purposely tanking but you're also you know not necessarily expecting or purposely trying to be very good so you know if you're if you're kind of out of it right around the trade deadline whenever that is you know those are guys that could also be potentially flipped for you know other assets and draft picks so I think that's a, another kind of you know note that you could take out of you know these these guys might not be around for long term, but they're just one year deals and, you know, they don't work out. They don't work out. Or if they're good, you can either keep them or you'll get an asset for them. So I think yeah. it's good in that respect, too. And I think that's something that's getting really overlooked is the fact that these guys on expiring UFA deals are are great candidates to move the deadline. I think especially Johansson, who every time he seems he's traded at the deadline, he goes and has a good playoff run. Yeah, um, he, he, he just seems like he always performs in the playoffs. He was good with Washington had that great one with Boston. So yeah, I, I think that's something that got really overlooked and I'm really glad you brought that up because um, like you said, they have a, just, they have a whole slew of guys that could be potential trade candidates. Um, if the season just kind of goes maybe as we expect and they'll be kind of right on that bubble. So, well, not only that, those are, these are, this is effectively their year going into another contract. So it's really in their best interest to try to prove to, to both to the wild or any other team that there's, there's worth, you know, there's value there. Mm -hmm. And so this is yep. their chance to maybe improve their standing, perhaps maybe with an opportunity that may be greater than maybe what they had on the clubs that they were originally at. Yeah, hundred percent. Yes. So anything else we want to add on the trades here before we uh, dive into the draft, which so excited to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I would, I would just add that even though it wasn't a, a trade, uh, we, they signed, Nico Sturm to a two-year but one-way contract. So he's definitely going to be on the team next year. Yep, and then, of course, also uh, Carson Soucy extended as well. That's Yep, exactly. Mm. That m Monday was crazy. I, f I forgot. <laughs> Between yeah. the trades like and everything four. else, that, that those happen as well. But two good depth pieces for the Wild. Soucy, obviously, the, the five defensemen, and Sturm, someone who hopefully will get a, a good look on the fourth line, whether it's at center um, mm -hmm. or if it maybe even ends up being on the wing. Yep. All right. So let's dive into Tuesday night, which uh, for those of you that did tune into the Soda Pod uh, live stream, got to see me react to the Wild uh, at number nine, taking this podcast's most coveted prospect, uh, Marco Rossi, the five foot nine, hundred eighty five pound Austrian center out of the Ottawa Sixty Sevens in the OHL. It, the fact that him and Perfetti got there is like an absolute best case scenario. They took Rossi, who I think so many Wild fans are clamoring for. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll kick it over to uh, Derek first here, since you've, you've been writing up on these prospects as well. Uh, as you saw Rossi fall, how are you feeling? And when they finally made that pick, what was, what was kind of your reaction? Well, I, I knew it was a good sign when two defensemen had been picked before us. That's when I kind of felt mm -hmm. like 
there's a really good chance we're going to have a chance at either Perfetti or Rossi. And then, of course, as, um, as Jack Quinn was picked, when everyone's breath kind of probably was held when they heard <laughs> Ottawa 67s, and, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, and like Jack Quinn, you're like, yes! Okay, <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, you know, I, I think I was telling this to Brett that I'm almost in, like, disbelief because um, not just me personally, but I can't tell you how many, I mean, I've written about many drafts and it seems like I put together a list of like 21 players they should pick and they never, ever pick my guy. And Rossi was my top forward that I had this year. So I was almost like in disbelief, like, should I be scared? They picked my guy this time (laughs) because every other time they, you know, it felt like they were going off the board on me and. I, you know, I, I felt like I was slamming my head against the table and I was almost like, is this good or should I be like really scared right now? And I don't know. It was like this weird mixed feeling. But then, you know, it was really cool to know, to hear how confident he was, you know, like he seemed almost as excited as we were about getting picked up by the wild. And I don't, and it, and it was, it seemed very genuine to me. It, it wasn't like, you know, agent speak of, you know, say you're mm-hmm. excited to be on the team, kid, you know. It, it seemed like he was like thrilled and like he knew he'd like studied up, like he knew yeah. things about the team. And I don't know, it was, it was a pretty cool moment to say the least, uh, especially since so many people around really the wild Twitterverse and what do you want to say? The media circle all seemed to be rooting for that one. So we all got what we wanted, which a, is cool. a rare W for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Zeke, <laughs> how did, how did you feel? What, what were your reactions? I know we were kind of talking in our group mm-hmm. chat, like, we just kept on dropping. Yeah. We're like, come on, baby. Come on, baby. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's not much different, too. I, I mean, you know, I, I I guess, you know, even with the two defensemen gone in the top five, that, you know, like Derek said, that really helped with our case when you as the draft was going on. But, you know, I still just didn't expect either him or Freddie to be there. I mean, you know, from everything I'd read on them, you know, both these guys, while it's not 100% they're at center, they're both, you know, and maybe not either the greatest skaters, but they're good. And their offensive skill set is just off the charts. Great, you know. So I, I just, you know, didn't expect him to be there pretty much at all. And, you know, that was part of the reason I wanted the goalie at first. But, you know, once it got down to eight, and I mean, like Derek said, with Buffalo, you hear Ottawa 67s, you know, you kind of started to freak out a little bit. But, man, I mean, it's it's funny because you know we're always looking hey we need that number one center we need that number one center and so you know Rossi he might not be that guy who knows we don't want to put too much pressure on him yet but it I don't know it just feels really good to finally have the guy in the system now who you know like you guys said is who maybe not may also not be ready too far off from being able to play but has that potential to just be you know just the exact kind of player that we've been looking for for you know literally a couple decades. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about Rossi, the player, and kind of, like, I know we, we kind of talked about it leading into the draft, but now that he's here, the thing that strikes me about this kid the most is he is so motivated, and it's mm-hmm. and it's not an arrogance or a cockiness, it's just confidence. He, he is known since he was 13, that his goal was to be a great player in the NHL. He and his family have sacrificed a ton, three-hour commutes total, for practices from the age of like 13 up until he went over to juniors, I believe at age 16 um, as a billet in the OHL. Uh, He's seen his dad go through hardships, lose jobs. He's doing this for himself and his family. Mm -hmm. And, and he's, I mean, you look, if you've seen his Instagram or his Twitter, this kid works out a ton. 
He may be 5'9", but he's a thick 185. Mm -hmm. Like, this kid is pure muscle. You read the scouting reports is when he's on the ice, he's got this really low center of gravity. He can fend guys off of his strength. I think, I think, think kind of Jared Spurgeon, who's also 5'9", but you don't really notice it because he plays bigger than he is. And I think it's kind of that same reason. They're just, they're, they're strong. Um, it, it's not like we talked about Donato, like he's a small forward who's not strong. So you get beaten off pucks. But to me, that doesn't seem the case with Rossi. He's strong on the puck. He seems motivated. He, he believes in himself. It, it's, it's just all the things you love to hear about a player. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you, Eric Sinek, might need to look out come next September because there could be a new uh, Mr. September in that wild locker room and it might be Marco Rossi. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, like you said, you just said everything kind of I'm thinking, but, you know, he's obviously a great offensive talent. You know, who who knows how, you know, great he's going to be, but I just think, like you're talking about, it's that confidence, that, you know, kind of swagger almost to him that's just kind of refreshing, and, you know, we usually don't seem to have in a lot of players around here. And, you know, I think another big part of this was, like you talked about with his personality and his just – seemingly tireless work ethic is kind of part of the, you know, almost in a sense, culture change that uh, Garen keeps talking about, what he wants to bring about to the team. And I think if you have a, you know, this kid like that, who's 19, that comes in, that he's, you know, the, he's a very important part to your, for your long-term future, who is going to help shape that culture while also being a very good player. And I mean, I mean, you just look, you know, stats, counting stats aren't everything, but I mean, 120 points in 56 games. I mean, that, that says a lot too. <laughs> Yeah, Derek. Anything to add about Rossi? Quite a few things, actually. Yeah, uh, right one, away. Of, one of the things that uh, kind of going to like what Zeke had said about the culture shift. Uh, one of the things that he consistently got rave reviews in all the scouting reports that I read, and just what I'd seen watching some of his games, was his effort shift to shift was the same. I mean, he was he was going he was giving you everything he had all the time. There was no. There was no where you saw him like conserving energy. And, and when we've talked about some of the players already, like, you know, whether we talked about Cunning or Coyle or Greenway, the thing that made him so maddening is that inconsistency between shift to shift. You didn't know what you were going to get all the time. But with this kid, you have a kid that's going to give you everything he's got. One of the things I really love about him is how he does a nice job when he's in the offensive zone changing the angle. So, he moves, and as he, he changes the angle both either to open up either passing or shooting lanes, he demonstrates a lot of like that like three-dimensional awareness, and he, he, he makes the decision very quickly and efficiently, but it's while he's in motion. I mean, a lot of times when you're watching like junior kid hi- highlights and whatnot, you see a lot of different highlights where it's like the kid's sitting there, you know, he's standing all by himself in the power play, he's tapping his stick, he gets set up for a one-timer and he blasts it in, which is great, but, you know, for the most, I mean, it's a good shot, but the the, the ability to move in motion is, I mean, you're not going to get too many oper- opportunities just to stand there and hammer pucks in the NHL level, you know, especially if it's mm-hmm. not on the man advantage. So to me, he's a person that can can produce at even strength, um, I see a person that also, of course, you know, the fact that he's not just an offensive player, he's, he's committed defensively and was, you know, used in pretty much all situations with the 67s. And, you know, his coaches raved about the fact that, you know, he's a player that you can trust. And, and, and I think there's, I think for, I think that's really uh, great to see. And again, you know, I don't think he, like you were talking about with his, his attitude, I don't think he takes anything for granted. I think he sees, 
things as an opportunity and he's going to try to do what he can to seize the opportunity. And I think that's where a lot of that confidence comes from because he knows how special of an opportunity he really has. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we could go for probably another 15 minutes on Marco Rossi, but we're already 30 minutes into the show here. So I want to, I want to move it along and, and I have a couple more points regarding Rossi that I think will fit in uh, better toward the end of the show. Um, when we kind of talk about what, what comes next, but uh, so obviously after the Rossi trade, first round plays out, Move into the second round, um, and then there's the trade, the, the Cunning trade that brings in the 37th pick. And with that pick, the Wild take uh, Marat Kuznadinov. And Zeke, I'm going to kick this one over to you first because he's a name that uh, you brought up on our preview show as a guy you liked. So uh, let's let's refresh the viewers of what you liked about him and and where you think uh, where, where he fits in uh, heading into the Wild's future. Well, I mean, from the, the kind of little bit I know about him, he's a very fast skater. Uh, he you know he plays center. You know, obviously two things that fit what the Wild are looking for. And, he, you know, from the highlights I've seen, he's got very good hands. He's very shifty. I don't know if necessarily if he has a great shot, but he's a very good playmaker and can move the puck very well from that position. And I guess, you know, the only concern maybe that I've – the main concern I've seen about him is that, you know, he's 5'9", and he's a little bit different than Rossi, that right now he's 165 pounds. But I can't remember exactly the age, but I do remember seeing a tweet from, I think, maybe Scott Wheeler of the Athletic or someone like that, who said he is one of the youngest players in, that was eligible for the draft this year. So that'll obviously, uh, you know, he'll obviously grow as he gets older. But, you know, I, I again, it's just an, adding another higher skill, fast center into the prospect pool there. And, you know, I think he was a, based off what I read, he was seemed like a first-round caliber talent. So I just think it was just a great job getting value there at number 37. Yeah, he's a July seventeenth, oh two, so just turned eighteen in July. So yeah, oh, definitely on the on, on the younger side mm-hmm. of of picks. Uh, Derek, what about you? What what do you like about uh? We'll, we'll just call him Marats, so we don't have to keep saying uh Kuznadinov. <laughs> Kuznadinov is a fun one to say. It um, is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I guess just to toot my own horn, maybe a, a tad. Uh, I had him on my sleepers and steals. He was my mm-hmm. number one. Or he was one of the people that I identified. So I was I was pretty stoked to hear his name called because that was a person I felt that fit in with a lot of the things that I felt that Bill Guerin would like. Um, again, strong work ethic plays a two way game. He's not just a one trick pony. A lot of times when you're hearing about people from Russia, a lot of times, at least at least my understanding, a lot of times you hear that they're mostly interested in offense and defense at eh, who cares, but this kid is a kid that, you know, he also plays a little bit of physical game. He may not be very big and that's, you know, but he's not afraid to throw his body around. He goes into the corners. Um, most of his goals, at least by what I saw, were mostly fairly close in, in close, but he has pretty good hands. He can definitely finish, but he also has pretty good on ice vision. There's a lot of, you know, he's, I think he's a, a pretty well-rounded player in a lot of ways with not a lot of, you know, there's really, it's really just a matter of physical development with him, I think. And, and we got to wait for him. And he's, I think he's under contract for the next two years and, That'll give him time too to hopefully develop more physically and and you know I I think he's a I think it's a really rock solid pick. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys, and I think uh, the other thing is too is is I think all this can be echoed by the fact that this was a guy they identified that they wanted to get a, an early second round pick to acquire. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't their one at 39; he was at 37. He's a guy that they identified as someone they wanted, and as you guys touched on, he was thought of by many as as kind of a late first round guy. So. Great to see that they got him. Um, it's yeah, and I think just you look at the age and probably the size and a little bit of an experience. He's going to be a little more of a project, so I think he's a guy that we'll see in Minnesota probably later rather than sooner. Um, I 
probably you're probably looking closer to probably like a four year window than probably the usual like three, which is probably what most prospects take, mm-hmm. but that's totally fine. Um, because they're gonna be okay, I think, depth down the middle. Um it sounds to me like like he like Scott Wheeler, I think his his big thing on him is kind of no matter where he plays, whether it's as kind of a play driver in a third line or kind of a a helper on a second line is that he's going to make his teammates better. He's a guy that apparently mm-hmm. like just has good team utilization. And when he's out there, he makes those guys better. And I think you look at kind of the players that the wild have coming and you have some of these skill guys, you want just kind of that, that other, that just that rock solid steady guy, guy that can, can be fast and kind of break open plays with his speed that can help his teammates. I think that's, that's going to be a great fit kind of in the middle six wild role uh, looking out a couple of years. I would also point out, he was also about 60% on his draws. So yeah, he's a guy that can win face-offs, which of course is something that's been pretty painful the last couple of years beyond yeah, really making Koivu. Like 65% as well. So yeah. two guys that can win draws. Yep. Can win draws. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So moving on to the next pick, uh, 39th overall, uh, the wild uh, address kind of the, the shallowness on defense. They select Ryan O'Rourke, who has kind of been described as kind of this hybrid of, the old style meets the new style of, of hockey. Uh, Derek, we'll, we'll have you start on this one. Uh, what are your opinions on uh, Ryan O'Rourke? Well, I personally think he's kind of a, a, ch- a change of direction from what we've seen a lot of the Minnesota Wilds defenseman selections over the years where it's been maybe a more slight finesse-driven defenseman where they're more about their mobility and puck moving. While O'Rourke can do that, He's also known to be a little more of a junkyard dog and throwing his body around, which, you know, almost every team that's, you know, a, a decent team has people that bring different elements. You, it's not just all puck movers. They have a person that's maybe a little bit nastier, a couple guys that might be a little bit nasty. And I think, I think the prospect pool has really not had a player like that maybe since Carson Soucy. And I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, to me, I, I think there's a lot of, uh, He's a two-way guy, um, has a big shot. Uh, like they actually say his slap shot's not only like heavy, but it's pretty accurate too. Um, but he probably isn't going to be the biggest offensive producer, but he still at least can do a little, you know, he can do a few things with the puck. He's more of a pass guy than a carrier, like a puck carrier up the ice. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I like the pick a lot. And I, I, he, he too has a lot of confidence and swagger if you listen to him you know, talk, he, he definitely understands who he is as a player and what his best, uh, what his strengths are for sure. And he even addressed his own weakness. He said, yeah, I could probably, I think it was him. It might've been Damon Hunt, but I think it was O'Rourke that said, yeah, I understand my skating probably could be better. And it's something I want to work on. Yep. And I think that it takes a lot, I think for a kid, you know, a draft eligible kid to, to admit their weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Cause I think they go in thinking, you know, I, yeah, I'm a first round pick and I can do all this well. So I think to have the self-awareness to know where your weaknesses are speaks a lot a lot to your character too and i think that that was a common trend and, and garen addressed it was uh you know we won't we wanted to get some character guys and i think that really shows kind of in, in what they said following being selected yeah I, I agree i think you know just kind of like you guys said uh, another solid pick i mean like we saw when we did our prospect uh, starting lineup draft early in a few podcast episodes ago you know there was not too many good defensive prospects in their system and now with uh, o'rourke and then the guy we'll talk about in a second and damon hunt they're you know not maybe necessarily like Derek was talking about, you know, the most offensive players, but, you know, he does have uh, the ability to move the puck well, and he is more that, you know, plays a little bit more of a old school, you know, rough and tough style defensive game, which, like you guys said, they don't really have. So 
yeah, no, another good pick for a early second round. Yeah, and, and player comparisons can be taken with a grain of salt, but yeah. um, he, he drew comparisons to both Nicholas Chalmerson and Chris Tanev, who have been rock-solid second-pairing defensemen for basically mm-hmm. their whole careers. So if he even mm-hmm. kind of scorches, you know, just the tip of what those guys were, that's going to be a great value um, at 39. And the really nice thing about the Wild, uh, if you've listened to Michael Russo, he mentioned this as well, but it's the first time in 20 years where the Wild have picked three times in the top 40. So, and it seemed, mm-hmm. and from everything I've read, the, I mean, it's really hard to evaluate players this early on, but no one really said they reached. Most people said they got value, which is, that's the stuff you want to hear is these are kids that should be good. And they, you know, it's, you could argue by, by some scouts lists and, and rankers lists, they got three first rounders in the top 40 picks, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think at the very least, then you can say, hey, the experts agreed with us, you know, <laughs> as opposed to, no, I thought I was the smartest guy in the room. I'm picking a guy you've never heard of, and, uh, and you're putting it all what, on what yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, holy cow. Well, this is going to be off tangent a little bit, but I want to talk about our expansion cousin for a second. So they make what I thought was a great trade to Montreal earlier in there today. They, they trade uh, Josh Anderson... And they get Max Domi, who I'm a lot higher on than most people, and a third round pick, and then sign Domi to a pretty nice bridge deal. I think like two years, five and a half million, which for Domi, I think is going to be a lot better than people realize. And then uh, as we're recording this podcast um, a little bit ago, they they moved Ryan Murray to the Devils. Ryan Murray was like a pretty good top four defenseman Mm -hmm. for a fifth round pick. That's it. And then they also bought out, I believe, uh, Alex Wenberg. Mm. So like... It's just like it's been a weird couple of days for Kekalainen. Like, like, oh, that was a great move, and then they take this guy in the draft who, like, some scouts didn't even have ranked. Like, Corey Pronman from the Athletic did a seven round mock draft. The guy they took wasn't even on his seven round mock draft. He was like, I think, was in the draft last year. It was like an overager that came back into the draft, and yeah. it was very like Philip Johansson, like a little bit. Um, yeah, you had to bring that guy up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our, our only miss. In the last three years, but mm-hmm. could have been Joe Valeno, but oh well. But just, sorry for the tangent, but just no, I had to talk about like just how bizarre of, of, a, of yeah. a couple of dates it's been for, for mm. Columbus. I don't know. I mean, Yari Kekalainen's a pretty good talent evaluator, in my opinion. I think, I don't know, I, I've watched him be, you know, from his days when he was with St. Louis, he, he picked a lot of really great players and even if they didn't end up staying with the blues, they ended up being good assets for them to trade, to get other things they needed. Um, and, you know, Columbus, they've, they've found some pretty decent people that I don't think too many people knew too much about um, where they're going as a franchise. I think it's kind of like, in a, in a strange way, kind of like the wild They're They're a team in transition. They battled really hard in the playoffs. They, I mean, I think they really pushed, Tampa Bay to the limits. I mean, those overtime mm-hmm. games were just absolutely incredible. But, you know, I think maybe with Wenberg and, and, and Ryan Murray, maybe they just kind of felt that those two younger players kind of plateaued and weren't really going to go anywhere. So they just decided yeah. to part ways with them. I, I mean, I, and I say that as a guy who has a, <laughs> you're going to laugh at me. I have a, I have a Ryan Murray Everett Silvertips jersey. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> it's, uh, they also traded. They also traded Marcus Nudavara to the Panthers for. Yep. Uh, I can't guys first. Last name's Pooh. P U. Yeah, mm-hmm. Cliff Pooh. Cliff Pooh. Cliff Pooh. That's what it is. Um, 
or pew. <laughs> it, it might be pew. I'm not, I'm not sure, but yeah, it's, it, I mean, they, cool. they've been active as well. And, uh, They've got two goalies, and if they've been mm-hmm. active on the trade market, the Wilds have been active on the trade mm-hmm. market. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? Jordan Greenway, they could be looking at a wing. <laughs> <Who knows>? um, <laughs> but uh, getting back on track here, a uh, couple more wild picks to go over. Um, we mentioned his name already. Damon Hunt uh, was their next pick, a guy they traded up to get uh, from 70 up to 65. And uh, Damon Hunt, he's the one that sounds like a little more question marks surrounding him, but it's mm-hmm. not so much on the talent. It's just... He had a pretty gruesome injury this year. He took a skate blade to the arm. And uh, a similar situation, you first talk about Hendricks LaPierre, um, where he just missed some time this year. And it was hard to get a really good feel as to where he projects long term. But it still sounds like he's got some pretty good NHL upside, maybe as a number four, number five defenseman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, from what I am, I kind of read about him after the draft there is that he seems like a pretty good skater. Uh, You know, I I don't know if this is necessarily good all the time, but from what I've also read is that he seems to kind of have – you know, play with an attitude on the ice, maybe a little bit like Ryan O'Rourke in that, you know, it's maybe not necessarily overly physical, but, uh, you know, kind of can be a little bit of an agitator like that. And so, yeah, I mean, like you said, Brett, you know, with the injury, there's kind of limited viewings, you know, had zero goals and 15 points in this 28 games played. But I think also when you get to the point when you get to third round like that, you're just kind of going based off what your scouts are looking for. And so, uh, I like I said I don't know too much about him, but I mean you know another good defenseman added to the pool there. Well, Derek, what do you think? Well, kind of like what Zeke said, his mobility is really kind of what gets him initially noticed. Um, the the thing about Damon Hunt, you know, part you know with the with the shortened uh, year due to his, that injury, uh, I guess some of the scouts that I read, at least in the scouting reports, they kind of felt like he was a player that was trying to play above his game where he was trying to be an offensive defenseman when he doesn't really have like the puck skills to do it. So it's kind of like a player Mm -hmm. trying to do too much on a really bad moose jaw team. And that's kind of what ballooned into a minus 24 because it turned into turnovers and other things like that. Um, But they, you know, I, I've, I saw a few of his highlights from the season before he has actually has a pretty good wrist shot. Um, which I kind of like out of a defenseman that you don't always have to unload a slap slap shot all the time. And he has a pretty good wrister that he uses, he throws it low, works for deflections really well. Um, But he's, he's kind of, kind of look, maybe kind of learn what his, his limits are and probably kind of simplify his game. If he really wants to take that next step, because he's, he's trying to be Matt Dumba when he's not, if that makes any sense. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'll be an interesting player to watch. I th- I think just seeing what he's able to do next year, I believe is is the dub on to play next year. I think they are. I think so. I th- I think they're due to start here. Yeah, I think they're in December, December. but I, I could yeah. be wrong. I can't remember though. But mm-hmm. um, so he'll be an interesting guy to watch and just seeing how back with a, with, with a full with a full uh, season back under his belt how he does. But again, a guy that I think could probably be a usable third pairing guy at 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 best. Maybe, maybe he jumps in the top four, but kind of looking at the guys ahead of him, the, the, the bottom pairing is probably where he goes. But again, some size, some grit, um, you know, some a, a different flavor on the blue line, Derek, as you mentioned. So let's get into the last pick here. Uh, Pavel Novak, who I'll admit I was on the golf course when they made the pick, so I didn't get a chance to look too much into him yesterday. Um, but I got a chance to read a little bit more about him today. And it seems to me like this might have been maybe one of their best values of the draft. He's a guy I saw ranked kind of more of like a third round pick and they got him Got him a little bit later than that. So um, what do you guys think of Pavel Novak? 
He's an intriguing player. Um, I know that I want to say he was a captain on Team Czech Republic, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, that's uh, he's a—he's—he uh, was one of the better young rookie scorers in the WHL. And but he's probably more of at least he—he he seemed to excel much more in the power play than he did at even strength. Mm-hmm. That was definitely something that was consistently kind of noted about him. He's got a good one timer. Um, his, he's got some decent offensive instincts. It's really, but he doesn't have much of a defensive game at all. Like <laughs> that's definitely mm-hmm. going to be a huge work in progress there. <laughs> but if he can, you know, there's always a place for people that can score as long as he keeps scoring. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think I even heard some people say that, you know, there's a good chance that he might be among the league leaders in points and, and Cologne is a quality you know, junior program, the, the Rockets never are really a bad team. They always seem like they're, you know, good to great almost every given year and within the in the WHL. So I, I think he's in a good place to develop. Yeah, Zeke, anything else to add? Yeah, I mean, I guess just uh, one more thing to add into what Derek said, but I think another kind of weakness that I read about him is maybe he's still not the, the greatest or the fastest skater yet in the world to keep up with this for to make his skill really translate to the next level at pro. But I mean, like Derek said too, with defense stuff and in a good development system and hopefully eventually in the wilds minor league system, I think those are, you know, both things that you can hope to have a chance to kind of coach into them and improve. And, you know, with the intriguing offensive skill set, I mean, you know, for a mid, like late fourth, mid fifth round pick, it's, it's not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. Like in a way he almost reminds me of common, almost like an Adam Beckman is a guy who's probably going to mm-hmm. score prolifically at juniors, but is going to get stronger and a little faster to make all those skills yeah. translate. So I think a guy that might project in the middle of the lineup, if, if he continues on the right path and with Judd Brackett in the mix now, and hopefully some more emphasis on player development, as we uh, talked about the importance of that importance of that moving forward. Um, hopefully another guy that, you know, might, might be a really good value um, where the wild snatched him up. So, Overall, I think this was another really good draft for the Wild. Five picks, three of which came in the in the top 40. Three of the five they traded up to get. They addressed needs by getting, you know, hope what a very well could be a future number one center. Um, it seems like another center who could play in the middle of the lineup, adding some depth on the blue line, and then taking a flyer on an upside offensive winger. I think you look at the needs, I think they address, in my mind, some of the most important needs. What do you guys think of the, the overall draft class looking at holistically? I, I was sorry go ahead you go okay, ahead well I guess I was just gonna say quickly that you know I think you know at the end there they uh traded their last six seventh round picks move up in the fifth and they you know they obviously traded up one more time in the third round I think that I think a key there is that instead of going for just complete quantity uh, I think they went for a little more quality and value with their you know a lesser amount of five picks so you know I think that's a just my quick thought there I think that was a kind of key to it I was going to say this is probably the most satisfied I've been since maybe 2010 in terms of a total draft class, more or less from top to bottom, you know, and, and, and that was a draft class that also featured three second round draft picks. If I remember correctly, when we got, uh, yeah, it was it? Zucker, Brett, Brett Balmer, Zucker, Zucker Larson, and Johan Lars. Yep. Yeah. Balmer didn't turn out, mm-hmm. but, but the other two did pretty, I mean, he did okay. I mean, yeah, Larson's still playing in the league, kind of. Um, yep. But Zucker right. turned out to be fantastic. But I mean, I, I I think you can see, you know, the vision again. You know, that I think that's what, you know, apart from the trades, the 
the draft was very revealing in terms of what you can see, like what Bill Guerin wants to, you know, how he wants to shape this team. And, and, and that was very evident. It didn't seem like it was just random players where you're like, I don't know how these pieces fit together. It seems like there's a direction here. And, and that was really cool to see. Yeah. And, and let, let's wrap up the show by, by kind of talking about that direction. I think the obvious next move here uh, is a goaltender. I've made my opinion very clear um, that mm-hmm. I would like to grab Thomas Kreis. Um, But the recent development surrounding Marc-Andre Fleury has me listening. Um, If they can get him less in that cap hit, and if they somehow manage to grab one of those stud young Vegas centers, either Peyton Krebs or Cody Glass, throw all my chips in on that. Bill Guerin will continue to be a god. Um, Inside joke from the soda pod there, (laughs) if you watch that. Um, But, yeah, I mean, what do you guys like at the goaltending situation? And as we kind of close in, I believe free agency opens up here in, I want to say basically uh, I think it's 13 hours. I think it's mm-hmm. 11 a.m. Eastern tomorrow. Um, so there might be 11 Central, one of the two. So we're, we're coming in on, on free agency. And so that basically means if the flurry trade's going to happen, it will more than likely happen um, before free agency opens up. Because um, I think Garen's made it clear that, hey, if, if we don't get this done, we're going out to free agency. So mm-hmm. who do you guys like as maybe a trade target if it's not flurry or if they do go to free agency, what, what avenues do you like? Zeke, I'll kick it to you because uh, you mentioned one in our, in our group chat before the show started. Yeah. So, I mean, I think just uh, quickly, just be uh, on the flurry thing. I did see uh, in uh, TSN insider trading, uh, Frank Cervalli did say that uh, Vegas seems to be shifting their attention away from trading flurry in his salary to trying to uh, move a guy with salary, like a Paul Stasny or Nate Schmidt. So, We'll see if that's a possibility. I, I guess it doesn't seem to be as likely now, but uh, from, you know, I guess, like I said earlier, Brett, in the group chat, uh, Corey Crawford is a guy who was announced today by the Blackhawks that he's not going to be re-signed. You know, and obviously a lot of Wild fans are very familiar with him shutting them down in the playoffs three years in a row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I don't know. He's old, and I guess that maybe the concern there too is that he has had, you know, the serious concussion issues in the past. But, I mean, he's had a very, aside from 1819, the last two or three years for him have been very good with, like, a 929 three years ago and a 917 save percentage this year. So Playing in front I of think, a pretty poor defense, too. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that's true, too. So I think he's, you know, another option along with, like, Thomas Grace if you're looking for more of a stopgap two- to three-year goalie who's, you know, maybe a little bit older but not going to, you know, not going to cost you too much and not going to force you to kind of block out your prospects, too. Yeah. Derek, what about you? Flurry, Grice, Crawford, agree or disagree there, and is, or is there somebody else? Well, I don't know. Actually, I like all three of your choices. Um, Crawford, I thought he played really well in the playoffs. Uh, I think he was a big reason that uh, Chicago managed to get by mm-hmm. Edmonton in that first play in the play-in series. I thought Definitely. he played. I thought he played really well, and to be honest with you, I thought he kept. Chicago in it a lot more than probably they deserve to be considering how crappy the defense was in front of them. Um, Grice is an Grice is a person though. I mean, you know, we have to remember he's coming out of Barry Trotz's system with, uh, with the Islanders and they're very stingy, but I thought he played very well. Don't get me wrong. Um, You know, the nice thing with him is that he's probably a little more affordable player uh, mm-hmm. you know, he, I think he only made like $3 million or a little over $3 million last year for the Islanders. Uh, so I think, and he's 30, I believe 30 years old. Mm-hmm. So he's not too old if you wanted to keep him around as a, 
as a veteran player, and he's he's definitely been used to being a a one A one B kind of player throughout almost his entire career. Really, when he was with the Sharks, and he I mean he's used to that kind of I guess uh, tandem like role if that's what the Wild choose to do. Uh, as far as the Vegas thing goes, I would love to stick the screws to Vegas um, because I don't know if you want to call it karma or, or turnabouts fair play, but, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, while I, I like the Vegas Golden Knights, I think they're a great organization. I think they took full advantage of the rules they had. At the same yep. time, I think we're all being like, okay, you had it a little too good. So it's time to, you know, you're not going to throw them a bunch of life preservers. You're going to throw them mm-hmm. anchors. And mm-hmm. and, and I, I want to see that team part with something. Now, will it be the Wild? I think the target's Peter Angelo. If it was, if they were liking Dumba more, then I would think it seemed more likely. But it seems like Peter Angelo is the guy that they really want to uh, acquire. And uh, I don't see how the Wild are going to somehow end up with Flurry in that process. Yeah, I think you guys hit all the nails on the head. Um, <clears throat> and I think, given, Zeke, what you said about Vegas looking a different direction, I think we'll probably see the more likely thing will come in for agency. I think we're all probably in agreement that a stopgap's the, the best route. I think a two-year goaltender, someone who can, I mean, especially in a shortened season next year, which I'm guessing probably be cut down somewhere probably between 50 to 60 games, and you're probably looking at a guy that you want to start 30 to 40, and then you're giving the other 20 to 25 to uh, to Kakinen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll and I'll probably push Staylock um, down into the minors with uh, who I think now it's just it's just Derek Barabo down there now as uh, Matt Robson was uh, yeah. is, is off to mm-hmm. uh, UFA this Although, year. As well, so. Just qu- quick note on that, I think yep. I'm uh, Hunter Jones. I actually what I kind of forgot about this is he was actually an overage in his draft year, so I mm-hmm. believe. I don't know if he'll be in either the ECHL or AHL, but I think he's a guy that could be in that role too down there. Yeah, definitely. So uh, one more thing I kind of wanted to touch on. I'm not going to speculate too much on Dumba trades because I think we've done that plenty on this mm. show. Um, but one one thing I just wanted that, that I thought about last night regarding Dumba is now that Marco Rossi's in the system as a potential number one, um, you have potential number twows now in uh, Havanov maybe in, and maybe in Marat. Are you guys... If it's the right winger, let's say a, a Brock Besser, a William Nylander, um, a um, who's the guy in Winnipeg? I'm trying to think of uh, Ehlers. Ehlers, yeah. Ehlers. Are you more open to the Wild? Maybe if if it's one of maybe like of those three's caliber, moving Dumba for a winger. Uh, I don't know. I would. I would. It would be painful to watch him play for Winnipeg. Yeah. It just. Would. But if you got Ehlers, would it be as painful? Uh, I don't know if I like Ehlers enough for that. Okay, that's, sure. That's just my personal opinion. I, I feel like I've seen him do some good things, but I've also seen the Wild neutralize him. So it's mm-hmm. hard for me to get excited about a player that we can sometimes control. Yeah, and I guess for me, uh, you know, I like Derek. So I think it kind of depends on the caliber player. Uh, I like Brock Besser, but. You know, I don't want to make. I don't know how what his injuries have been, but he seems. You know, each three of his first years, he's had semi-significant injury issues and so and I don't know if he's necessarily a you know he's I think he's a he's a 25 30 goal scorer but maybe I'm just not as high in him as others but although I mean if Vancouver is willing to do a deal around that ever then I think you have to seriously consider it but you know I mean I think for me especially the out of the guys you mentioned that Nylander would be the most you know comfortable I'd be willing as a winger to give dump up for because I mean you know he had 31 goals last year after his bat contract year and bounced back and he's he's just he's really good 
Uh, he's got a great shot. And so, you know, like, like you said, Brett, if, if, if a team for some reason like Toronto, Vancouver uh, decides that they're willing to give up a player who's just, you know, that good, then I would be forgiving of the position, you know, but just as you said, just depends on how good the player is. Yeah. Like before I was very vehemently against trading for a winger, but now that we have mm-hmm. some center depth and I believe Rossi is, is a number one. And it sounds like the debate on him is more is, is he going to be an elite center or is he just going to be mm-hmm. a good number one center? Which to me, that means, yeah, th- they've got a guy now that's probably NHL ready. So I'm much more open to it. I think especially if Petrangelo ends up in Vegas um, or stays in St. Louis and Toronto misses out on him because they're the other team I've heard that's heavy on him. Dumba to Toronto makes a lot of sense now, and, and so does maybe getting someone mm-hmm. like like Nylander, which, again, if you if a week ago you asked me that, I'm like, nope, I, might, I like Nylander, but I'm out. And I think also you hear Bill Guerin talk about, hey, we, we like guys that are versatile and can play both the center and the wing. And I think if you Nylander has played both, and I think um, that's a much more real possibility now than I think it was before, and it wouldn't be something I'd be nearly as upset I was um, mm-hmm. had the draft gone differently. So just someone to bring up. And then the very last thing I want to talk about, I want to talk about Marco Rossi here just a little bit more. Um, in terms of roster construction heading into this year, if he makes a team, the Wild will be at 14 forwards, six of which you could argue are probably centers. You'd have Rossi, you'd have Erickson Eck, you'd have Bonino, you'd have Sturm, and you'd have Rask. Um, where do you guys think Marco Rossi, if he makes a team, where do you want to see him playing in what role? And then how do you think that kind of shakes up the lines? Because I've I've been trying to think about this myself, and I, I still can't quite nail it down. <laughs> uh, this is a tough one. Uh, I, I guess for myself, I would. To me, it's all about whether he can win draws or not at the NHL level. Mm-hmm. If he can win draws consistently, at least fifty percent or a little over fifty percent, then I would I would try to maybe see if he can play in the in the top six. Um, because I think that's really where you want him to play. Uh, if he can't, then I think he's a person that, I don't know, is there even an option to send him back to Europe to play in the pros there where he could play against older competition and develop instead of having to send him back to junior? That'd be the other thing, because obviously I, he can't I tried looking at that if they could loan him or not. I yeah. want to say they could, because I think it would be the same kind of thing mm-hmm. they did with Havanov and Ladnia, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Well, because I just, sorry, yeah. I was going to say, no, that, I just said, okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say that I think the Swiss national league opens a little bit later. And to me, that would be a real natural fit for him. We've seen mm-hmm. it with other players going to, you know, whether it's Sweden or, or Switzerland. And I think that's a really good place for them to develop against older competition. And, and to me, that would be, I'd rather see him do that than just sitting in this press box or getting played in bit minutes. I just don't think that's going to help mm-hmm. him much. Yeah, and I don't see a whole lot of benefit from him going back to the O and just destroying yeah. everybody yep. there either. Agreed. And I guess just my kind of thought about that is, you know, generally from this is maybe just a kind of a hunch, but from what I seem to remember about other kind of young prospect centers like this that have made the NHL, you know, as kind of teenagers around 20 years old, is that it seems to be like they usually kind of almost, I guess you could say, shelter them in kind of like the third line center role there uh, with maybe some, you know, more limited special team minutes on second power play unit. So I don't know. I think, uh, I think event, if he does make the team, if he comes in and shows you enough and shows you that uh, work ethic that you want him to be on the team, I think they'll, they'd probably start him out on the third line. And like I said, a little more of a sheltered role with some special teams time, but you know, I mean, there's not too many other 
great centers aside from, you know, Nick Benino and Eric Sinek on the team. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think at the same same time, it, you would want to give him the opportunity. I also don't think you want to – you don't want to rush him either because, I mean, you know, he is a 19-year-old kid and you, you don't want to, you know, hurt his development that way. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I Like you said, Brett, that, guys, that's kind of a complicated question, obviously. So, yeah. I mean, we have to see what the team will look like in the fall. But, uh, yeah, so there mm-hmm. – yeah, what it came down to for me is I think, <laughs> I personally, I think if he makes a team, I want, at least to start, and I think also, we'll see how this plays out too, but usually um, first-year players are given the opportunity to play, it's usually nine games, mm-hmm. um, as kind of a tryout, so I think for whether that ends up being nine games or five games or seven, whatever the NHL decides when the new season starts, I'd like to see him start those games in as the second-line center between, let's say, uh, Kirill Kaprizov and either the Kevin Fiala or Matt Zuccarello. I want to see him in a position to succeed right off the bat because if he's going to play in the third line, it's going to be with probably Jordan Greenway, Nick Bukestead, maybe Nick Bonino. Like, I don't I don't think you'll really see what he's capable of playing alongside those guys. And I really like what the Wilds' third line has been with Eck and, and Greenway and when it was Cunning or whether it was Felino or whether this year it's Bukestad. I like what that third line brings, being just a hard-to-play-against third-line shutdown line. And I don't think that's the role Rossi is. I think he's he, he, he needs to be a 200-foot scoring player. So I think you got to put him with guys that fit that mold. And I think he could be fine as, as a second-line center. So I think I'd at least like to see him start there personally. But then as far as the center, no. I think that leaves Johansson probably as your first line center. You'd have Rossi on the second line, Bonino and Bugstead and Greenway probably fill out your third line. And then your fourth line is probably was it leave with Sturm, Hartman, and then Felino. So and then Rask, and then I don't remember who else, I don't know who else that would leave on the outside looking in. It's one more person on the outside, but I think that's how I kind of look at it as, as as what I would like to see. But I think that's gonna be Outside of whatever moves come next, maybe to the actual lineup, not named that's not a goalie. I think heading into the regular season will be a really interesting development to watch. No question. And, you know, mm-hmm. I guess the one advantage of having as many centers or at least guys that have the ability to play center is uh you don't care if they get thrown out of the draw, you got plenty of people to throw in there that all know what they're doing. So <laughs> yeah, you and, know, and I guess is that and the way Garen's talking, there's no guarantee. If, if Rossi's the best center, he might get the one. He, he, you got to earn it, and that that's the the thing he's given. So I think that's the reason why I think he's going to get a real look is because Garen's basically said, "Hey, no one's safe. We're gonna we're gonna put the best guys out there." Yeah, I would agree. All right, so we've pretty much hit right on our time here. Uh, this is an hour long podcast now, guys. We're, I don't think we're ever going to hit forty five minutes unless it's <laughs> unless it's a two parter. But uh, we try to keep it on an hour. I think that's pretty fair. Uh, Derek, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, uh, really appreciate your insight on those draft picks and the future going forward. I think our listeners will too. I know uh, Justin was pretty excited to have you on and was really looking forward to listening to uh, listen to this as well and, and what you had to bring. So appreciate having you on. I'm, I'm sure it won't be the last time we invite you on uh, to talk about hockey and stuff. So uh, reminder viewers uh, where they can find you both uh, on Twitter and also where, where they can find uh, your work. Uh, well, as far as my, my blog goes, you can find me at the sports daily at, uh, forward slash crease and a slip crease and assist. And then on Twitter at crease and assist, I tweet quite a bit. Yeah. (laughs) You're not alone in that. Uh, We do our fair share of tweeting as well. Uh, Zeke, where can we find uh, you and your work? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ZB wild nation underscore HW. And you can find, 
uh, all of my other kind of work and writing at hockeywilderness.com. All right. And, uh, you know, as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Also make sure you're following the podcast account uh, at Sound the Foghorn. All one word. Uh, again, a couple more notes here before we leave. Uh, congrats again to uh, Justin and his wife congrats. on their new baby boy. Super excited. Uh, Justin's hope is to be uh, back on the show again next week. But uh, we're, of course, going to give him as much time as he needs as, as a new baby. can be a whole lot of work, especially with two little ones already in the mix. And as well, uh, again, a big a big shout out to uh, Hoppy and Isha uh, over at the yeah. Soda Pod for uh, welcoming me onto their show the last two days, uh, both uh, the draft night and then uh, yesterday as well. We talked a lot about the similar topics, um, but they had some nice viewpoints and different things as well. So be sure to go give those a listen if you've got some time on your hands um, and, and give them a follow. They're great friends of the show. Derek, I know you were over there um, not too long ago as well. So good friends of the show, great guys over there. Um, oh, can I say give one more shout out too? Yeah, it definitely. Okay, can. yeah. So I just want to say over at Hockey Wilderness, we um uh, recently we switched up our managing editor, and I just wanted to give a shout out, a thank you to Ryan Quigley uh, for being a great uh, site manager for us over the last year. Uh, you know, it was kind of tough last year when we couldn't really get anybody to do it, but he stepped in and did a great job and helping us all grow as writers and helping to provide uh, wild coverage on our site. So just a uh, thanks to Ryan and uh, appreciate all the work he did with us. Yeah, I mean, as Wild fans, you guys are spoiled with the amount of yeah. great insight you have from non-professional writers, guys at 10K Rinks, Derek, Derek's work mm-hmm. over at his place, over at Hockey Wilderness. You have the yeah. Bar Down Beauties. You have the guys at Brave the Wild. You've got some really smart hockey minds, and a lot of that stuff comes to you for free. So be very thankful for that because a lot of us do this as a hobby because we love it and because we love interacting with the fans. And I'm, I'm really happy to be mm-hmm. a part of this community because it's, it's pretty sweet. We're, we're pretty lucky here in Minnesota to have the group that we do. Can I say something? Absolutely, you can. First of all, thank you guys both, uh, and Justin as well, for inviting me onto the show. It's been fantastic. And the other thing I just want to say is, and I feel like I can speak on this because I've been around as long as I have, and being an older dude, I guess, is you just get reflective about things. But this is really, you know, if there is any positive side effect of this craziness that we have with the pandemic, is that it's brought the whole wild internet community like much much closer together together than it's ever been before. Definitely. Like you're seeing yeah. so much more collaboration between people jumping in on all these different shows like like when on the draft one when you when Brett when you were on it, I saw on the pond guys on it. Joey yep. was on it from Brave the Wild and yeah, you know yeah, it's, it's yeah it's becoming almost like a circuit bart uh alexis and jesse were also on the soda pod as well it's 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 a it's great to see all this collaboration because i can tell you from from the past it was not always so friendly <laughs> in mm-hmm. fact it yeah, was it, very it was very competitive for a while and yeah it's, and like, it's, it's, yeah go ahead finish i'm just i was just gonna say that it was it's it's so much more like friendly collegial like it's like oh you, you know no one sees any jo- people as like a, a a competitor as much as they see people yeah. as another voice to share and that's really cool to see yeah i think mm-hmm. that's in my favorite part too is like you know before we even start our podcast joe Bully um and tony are like hey let's yep. let's bring let's bring you guys on before your show starts and plug plug your guys show like hey we don't we don't see you guys another show come to compete with us we find you as more voices so like it, and it's been great and, and and we you know we have all of you that listen yourself included that 
are constantly giving us shout outs. And I, I think I could speak for all of us. We, we appreciate mm-hmm. the support so much. And very much. I, I think it starts with our, with our Lord and Savior, uh, Michael Russo, too. Uh, I think inspiring <laughs> a lot of young hockey minds uh, t- to share our thoughts. But that'll do it for our show today. Thanks again to everyone who supports the show. Uh, should be a fun couple days here. Goalie, goalie uh, signing or trade coming. Who knows? what Bill Guerin probably could have six more trades up his sleeve for all we know, too. So going to be a fun week, but uh, we're going to sign off for today. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. This has been another episode of Sound the Fox. Yeah.